Spirit lead me out into the what kind of waters? The deep waters. When a storm is on the ocean, and I don't care what kind of storm it is, it could be a light storm, it could be a hurricane force storm. On the surface level, their storm is brewing and waves are crashing. Big, huge waves, winds. But down in the deep, deep waters, all that may be going up on the surface, but down in the deep, deep waters is still so still. So still. So still. It's calling us out into the deep, deep waters. To where these surface things we're not moved by them anymore. Sit still, close your eyes. Take that deep breath in. Just picture yourself there. Ezekiel describes the river of life. Says I stepped out into that river. It was ankle deep. Then it got knee deep. This is the river of life. Waist deep. Chest deep. Neck deep. Until it was over my head. Stressed down in the river. Deep waters, the deep waters were so steep. You're not moved any longer by the things that are shifting in this world. See, the shaking and the shifting has to happen because the things are settling down into the place that they were meant to be. Foundations of the earth are being moved because it is shifting down into where it needs to be. Where you are seated with Him to enter into this place of rest. As Bill gets ready to come, he's already in that posture of receiving. Father, we thank You so much that You are calling us into the deep things of You way beyond the surface to the deep waters beneath us. Steady our hearts. Open our hearts as we receive. Open the eyes of our understanding and illuminate our imagination. Speak through Bill this morning. Give us ears to hear. In Jesus' name. Hear me okay? Is it on? It should be on. Okay. Check this volume. I'm not a I'm not a real loud speaker, so I have to put it up where you can hear me sound. My my voice doesn't carry real real well. Um, 
fact, my voice is not designed to be a speaker. Um, I don't feel like it is. And uh, what I have this morning, first off, I usually can communicate pretty well what's in my head coming out to people. I have a business and I, I can sell my business like nobody's business. <laughs> I know how to get in there and talk to people and say the right things and know what, know what people are looking for when they come in. I can do those things. But, and I've got a lot of things down on paper. We're gonna, on, it's, not, it's not paper, but you know. Um, and I can, I can bring these things to you, but my desire is to bring what's in here this morning. Because if I can give you what's in here, you can take something and live with it this week and it change your life. So that's that's my desire today is to give you what's coming from my heart this morning, what God what God's given me. I strive, I strive to live life by what I say. This is what I do is not a theory to me. You know, we get up and hear words from a from a pulpit a lot. I'm not saying from here, but from where we've come from, and it's all a theory. It's what is what we what we believe to be true, and we haven't put it into effect. What I desire is for these things that I talk about today to get so ingrained in us that we live it every day, and it's not just words that are coming out of my mouth. Amen. What I'm going to talk to you about today is, is the kingdom life. And it's what, it's what Dr. Simmons calls in the Passion Translation in Hebrews 4. He calls it the faith rest life. And I'm going to read, I'm going to, read to start off with the Hebrews 4 and some of these scriptures down through. And I hope we can get it on the, on the screen in the Passion Translation so you can kind of follow along. This will be the only thing that I really want you to follow along on the screen. And you can, you can try to look up those, the Scriptures that I, that I go through in this. This is going to be a little bit different for me this time. A lot of times I like, bam, you with Scripture after Scripture after Scripture after Scripture because I'm driving home. It's a little bit different today because a lot of it's coming from here. So we'll start off... Hebrews 4 chapter Hebrews chapter 4 verse 1 Now the promise of entering into God's rest is still for us today So we must be extremely careful to ensure that all that we all embrace the fullness of that promise and not fail to experience it these words soaking you don't let them just be words that we're that we're reading i know we've we've been over this this particular chapter before but let these words come in and, and just feel them we must be extremely careful to ensure that we all embrace the fullness of that promise and not fail to experience it we have heard the good news of deliverance just as they did, talking about the children of Israel when they went into the promised land. 
Yet they didn't join their faith with the word. Instead, what they heard didn't affect them deeply, for they doubted. For those of us who believe, faith activates the promise, and we experience the realm of confident rest. There's a place of rest that you can go to. For he said, I was grieving them and made solemn oath they will not enter into my rest. God's works have all been completed from the foundation of the world. For it says in scriptures, and on the seventh day God rested from all his works. This said he rested from all of his works. We're gonna we're gonna read a scripture in a little bit that's gonna you may think it's uh, going to contradict that a little bit. I love contradictions in Scripture. We'll get to that in a minute. And again, as he stated before, they will not enter into my rest. Those who first heard the good news of deliverance failed to enter into that realm of faith's rest because of their unbelieving hearts. Yet the fact remains that we still have the opportunity to enter into that faith rest, faith rest life and experience the fulfillment of the promise. The promise. For God has ordained a day for us to enter into called today. Today, we can enter that rest. You can enter that rest today before you leave here. For it was long afterwards that God repeated it in David's words. If only today you would listen to His voice and not harden your hearts. Now if the promise of rest was fulfilled when Joshua brought the people into the land, God wouldn't have spoken later of another rest yet to come. They didn't get the rest when they went in. So we conclude that there's still a full and complete Sabbath rest. We're going to talk about the Sabbath a little bit in this waiting for believers to experience as we enter into the God's faith rest life, we cease from our own works. We cease from our own works. How many of you are willing to do that? Just as God celebrated, celebrates His finished works and rests in them. So then we must be eager to experience this faith rest life so that no one falls short by following the same pattern of doubt and unbelief. Listen to this. For we have the living Word of God, which is full of energy. Like a two-mouthed sword, it will even penetrate to the very core of our being where soul and spirit, bone and marrow meet. So this living Word, this Spirit, the Holy Spirit, can penetrate into everything that you're thinking and go into your into the core of our being where our soul is where we have so much unrest and it can split it it can go there where all that meets it interprets and reveals the true thoughts and secret motives of our heart there's not one person who can hide their thoughts from God for nothing that we do remains a secret and nothing created is concealed but everything is exposed and defenseless before His eyes to whom we must render an account. Now that sounds kind of negative right there, but I take it as positive. He knows what's given us the unrest. 
He can go in there and cut it out. The Spirit can. And we can find that rest that we're looking for. Because if you admit it, if you'll admit the truth today, that's all that you're looking for is rest. In everything that you do. Peace, rest. That's what you're looking for. That's what, that's what we have the desire. That's why we're here today. That's what we feel. We come from that high anxiety world. We come in here, we're looking for that rest, that peace that's there. And I'm going to read one more just for, just for a side note that we won't get into today. But since, since Brian mentioned it a little bit last time, in Hebrews 5, 7, it said, During Christ's days on earth, He pleaded with God, praying with passion and with tearful agony that God would spare Him from death. And because of His perfect devotion, His prayer was answered and He was delivered. But even though He was a wonderful Son, He learned to listen and obey through His sufferings. And after being proven perfect in this way, He has now become the source of eternal salvation for those who listen to, obey, to Him and obey. For God has designated him as the king priest who is over the priestly order of Melchizedek. I won't discuss it today, but we'll have to have a part two. Jesus is the high priest in the order of Melchizedek, and we are the kings and priests that are supposed to be in this order once we understand and live in this faith rest realm. Once we find that realm, then we can be in the same order as Jesus in the order of Melchizedek. But as long as we're not in rest, we can't participate in that because that order is to bring rest to other people. If we're not in rest ourselves, how can we do that? And that's what I'm struggling with today is because I'm trying to bring it to you but I'm not fully there yet as well. I want to take a couple of minutes to recap kind of the beginning of the year when I had the opportunity to bring uh, the, the first message of the year, I think it was, uh, to, the, to the congregation that we had here. And what I felt like God was, was going to do for this year. Now we're in September and we can actually see the words that I said. Were they true? Were they not? Were they what, what they actually were? So at the, at the beginning of the year, I usually, I usually try to get a direction or kind of a word from God for the year. Where you know where he's trying to take me during that year, and what he wants to do, and I usually go on some kind of a fast, and um, and sometimes it's been been long fast, short fast. I, I think Emily, did, I think I did a twenty day a couple of years ago, uh, and I think that's the longest that I that I've ever done. Um, but this year, when I got to, to seeking God about it, he said, or I felt like he said. No fast. And I haven't fasted not one day this year. Not one day. And I said, Lord, well, why? 
And uh, of course, the first scripture that comes up in my mind is Mark 2, where, where John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. And they asked Jesus, why do we all fast and your disciples aren't, aren't fasting? And Jesus told him, how can the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? They cannot, so long as they have him with them. But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. And on, on that day, they'll fast. And then in verse 21, he says, no one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst. The skins of both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they, no, they pour new wine into new wineskins. So, I, I think I was hearing him say, we have the foundations, the new wineskins are ready for the new wine, is what I, was, what I was feeling at the beginning of the year. No need to fast the promises here, then here we're here in the inheritance this year. Amen. That's what I that's what I heard him saying, and and I started you know I started talking to people about it, the people that I was in business with, and um, not everybody, and then some of my clients that were having to struggle um, through last year. I was I was talking to them about it, telling them this is what I thought this year was going to bring. Um, and throughout this year, I could say that business has been great. Business has been better than ever. Business, like, like there's been so much struggle in business because of so much work that we, you know, we were having struggles figuring out how to take care of it all. And and then my clients that I that I shared with, you know, some of them are like having better years this year than they had three years ago before COVID ever ever came in and they're you know it's just like almost like bumper bumper crops this year and I think I mean we've seen healings you know that we pray for this year and and things that, that's happened and you know it's been been a great thing so I I see I think I see the the promises of Abraham being fulfilled among us for this year But I know there's more. Yeah. A few months back, a couple months now, those of you that, that listen to some of Damon Thompson's um, stuff, he started talking about this this faith rest and read the, the Hebrews four scriptures and everything. And it... It brought to my mind, um, Emily probably won't won't remember this, but um, I brought a message to a group back in 2018. Um, it was actually the night that I was that I was ordained that I gave my, my message there, and it was just this message about rest in 2018. When I heard when I heard Damon start talking about it, it like pierced me like like mm. so I went back and read it again read it closely and I won't say that I that I had it all wrong but the inheritance is not the the things that we get in the in the promised land it's not the 
It's not the, the houses that we didn't build, the cities that we didn't build, the, the wells that we didn't dig, and the, the, um, the vineyards that we didn't plant. That, and that's not really our inheritance. That's just, that's just what comes with it. The inheritance was supposed to be the rest that comes with it. Because if you get all these other things and you don't have rest, you're always scared that you're going to lose it. You're, you're always scared that you've got to keep you got to keep at it every day, hard and heavy, or it's not going to last. You got to be in it. So rest is the kingdom. Bible says, seek the kingdom and everything else will follow. Not, not you get the stuff and then you find the kingdom. So we should be seeking rest so everything else follows. We get the cart before the horse. And this, I'll call it revelation. It's not a new revelation. It was just like got pricked again of, of what he was speaking to me several years ago. But this talk about rest came in right in the middle of so much, I was just saying, well, I know so much work that we were killing ourselves trying to get things done. Like I was every day, my, my partner in, in West Monroe, I was like, talking to him off the ledge every day like how are we gonna what are we gonna do what are we gonna do what are we gonna do and uh, and I you know by the way he's he was a professed atheist at one time but now he he came and told me he said now I'm, I'm starting to see uh, when you say something I better listen <laughs> uh, so we're so we're gradually you know getting him going in the right direction. And he won't have any of this religious stuff to, to take off of him before he actually knows what truth is. Um, so he sees it. So when I tell him, you know, I tell him one day, this, you know, this is like an engine. We're revving up to the red line. I said, but we're about to change gears. And when it does, it drops back down. And we, and we got it. So he said, it better happen soon. <laughs> we had that going on. And, and Emily had so much stuff going on with other businesses that we have and building a house. And, you know, some things we bring on ourselves, don't we? Uh, but it's all, you know, it's blessings from God. So if it's blessings from God, there all be a rest that's, that comes with it. So God said, rest is your inheritance. So I started telling everybody about rest, the ones that I've told about the, the promises, you know. So I said, you know, you can't get the promises without the rest or it's not going to be, it's not going to be worth it. And then all hell broke loose. And we had some of the biggest tragedies happen. After another over about a 45 day period in the middle of death God says seek rest 
there's life in rest. He said, speak life through these deaths and there will be rest. I still, I'm not going to say that I completely um, understand or can get, have gotten through these situations. But I continue to speak life in them because I think no matter what the enemy has, has done, no matter, and I say, I say enemy, because, and I, I watch real close when I say the enemy does things because a lot of times, a lot of times it's choices people make that, that cause bad things to happen. And the enemy will utilize those things to bring people down. But a lot of times it's our choices that, that make those bad things come about. But I believe in rest that he works everything out for our good. And every bad thing that happens, whether the enemy calls it, whether it's a bad choice, if we seek rest and we know what the promises are that he has, he, can, he will work everything out to our good. Amen. You can ask him, like, that's my favorite, favorite quote to quote. With everything that happens, he's going to work it out for our good. Amen. Back at the first of the year, I couldn't remember this until recently. Um, I did feel like September was like a time frame of, of when things would change gears, I guess, and promises fulfilled. And um, and I didn't I didn't remember it until I, when when Brent said last week that I the thing popped up on my phone. I must have set a reminder on my phone somewhere way back at the first of the year that reminded me September 1st, promises fulfilled. And so when it popped up, I'm like, boom. And, and is it a coincidence that um, that rest pops up on Labor Day weekend? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> but, but, but I do believe, and I still I have it come up every day because I, I do believe every day promises fulfilled, and I'm I'm talking about rest now. I'm not talking about um, the other things will come after rest. Um, back in Hebrews, after the promise of rest, the writer there says, he says, I want to I want to tell you more about this. But you're not mature enough to eat the meat. You're still on milk. So our, our finding this rest is part of our maturity. And if if you if you walked, I mean, you walk into just about any of us on a day to day basis. We're we're doing our best. We're trying. We're you know we're putting forth the effort, and we might find out that the effort is not is not what we should be doing. But but we're trying to work to maturity. 
and although I'm not there yet, I'm seeking the rest. We have to find this realm of rest to mature to where we need to be. Um, in Matthew 11, 28 through 30, um, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now I want to take it. Everybody raise your hand if this is what your life looks like. <laughs> Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. You will find rest for your souls. Can you, can you imagine that I find rest for your souls? That, that's a deep, that's a deep-seated feeling. It's a place that you live. That's why... The, Dr. Simmons calls it a realm because that's somewhere that you live. It's deep, deep. Stress and anxiety, we've talked about already, is, is the number one problem in the world. I mean, what's the number one thing somebody working is looking for? They're looking for retirement or they're looking for Friday. <laughs> Friday first and then, re then retirement sometime. But in, in that, um, we... We try to try to medicate, drink, vacation, buy things. We try to do things to make us feel better, to take that anxiety away for just that short period of time. We, we do things in this world to try to make that stuff feel better. And then at the same time, we fill our lives full of more busyness. We just keep piling it in there. And y'all, I'm going to point at y'all, but y'all see like there's more pointing back at me than... We end, up, we end up dependent on something, some kind of pleasure or some kind of vice or something to ease that anxiety. I mean, it's, you, can look, you can look at your life and see, all right, what, what do I do when I feel stressed out? Maybe go to the refrigerator and grab something to eat out of the refrigerator, or uh, you know, go shopping. Or what is your what is your stress relief? Because we all have it. You know, people used to say that um, that we're trying to fill a space that only God can feel. You know, they're talking about world, the world out there, you know, the sinners. They're, they're looking for something, and so they don't know what they're looking for, looking for God that needs to fill that space. Well, I think most Christians are in the same boat as, as anybody out there in the world. They're still looking for it. They think they found it because they punched their ticket to go to heaven, but they're still in the anxiety and the stress and everything, and they still got that hole there that they're trying to fill and it's rest that needs to go in that place. So the words that Jesus said in Matthew, come to me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke. Find rest. Is that just words? Just a, just a theory? You know, like, like when he said on the cross, forgive them for they know not what they do. People just run right over scriptures like that and like, he really, he really forgave those those people that, that killed him. Amen. Amen. 
So can we really find rest? Can we really find it? When Jesus was on the earth, He was caught working on the Sabbath a bunch of times. In fact, the Sabbath was a big bone of contention between him and the Pharisees. Like every time he turned around, they were they were pulling grain to eat. He was healing people on the Sabbath. He was doing all. Con- Is that my phone doing now? I think I heard mine a few minutes ago. But. Let us know if that's important. So what did Jesus say about that when they when they confronted him um, when he was working on the Sabbath? I mean, Sabbath was a big deal to them. They had so many rules on Sabbath. You could only walk so many so many feet. You could only, I mean, there was only a couple things you could do on Sabbath. I think you could get your your ox out of the ditch or something on Sabbath. Uh, and you know, there were I don't know all the rules, but there was only a few things. But Jesus was doing all kinds of stuff. And in John five seventeen, he said, "It says in in his defense, Jesus said to them, My Father is always at work to this very day, and I am too working.' Well, here's the here's the contradiction that I want to bring up in front of everybody. Hebrews four said, God's works have all been completed from the foundation of the world because he rested on the Sabbath on the seventh day. So which which one is it?" Is, is his father always at work to this very day or all the work's been completed? <laughs> Nobody answered? <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe it's, he's working all the time to show people what it looks like to live in rest. Because Hebrews do does say that we need to be like in a hurry to get to rest. So you, you have to be doing something to get to rest. I know that's not a good interpretation if you if you look at it, but but we need to make haste to get to rest. And so I think that's what Jesus was was on the earth. His major point was to be here to show us what it looks like to live in the kingdom. But living in the kingdom is not just sitting at the home, at the house, twiddling your thumbs, not doing anything. You you are going to be working, but you're going to be working in rest. So that's why it's all completed, it's all done, but we're working out our salvation. Jesus destroyed everything what they thought Sabbath was. So what what did rest look like to Jesus? Well, you remember that time He was on the boat and the storm came up and He was asleep at the bottom of the boat? I mean, they had to go like shake Him and wake Him up. 
he was resting, dude. Like he was asleep, sleeping hard. And then he was upset with them because they didn't have enough faith that they were going to be all right through the, through the storm. So that, that's a picture of what rest should look like to us, even through, we're going to have hard times. There's, I mean, we live in this world where we can't control everybody else's choices, and then we make screwed up choices too. But if we can learn to rest through those things because we know, we know without a shadow of a doubt that everything is going to be all right, that's hard. That, and I'm, I mean, that's, that's some tough words right now. Peter learned that lesson somewhere. I mean, he was one of those disciples on the boat that woke Jesus up during that storm. But in Acts 12, you can, you can read it says, So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries stood guard at the entrance. So somewhere Peter got the message and figured out how to rest if you could sleep between two guards and chain two chains. He got it figured out somewhere. Joshua 1.13 says, Remember, and this is right before they went into the promised land. Remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you after he said, The Lord your God will give you rest by giving you this land. He will give you rest. But they didn't give it. Where, where did this all go wrong? Where we, where we struggle with this every day. Where it's a constant, constant battle with us. Anxiety, stress, no rest. It begins where everything else began in Genesis. You remember the, the first sin? We've talked about it a few times. Most people think it's the, they disobeyed God and ate the apple. From the, from the tree they weren't supposed to eat of. That was the first sin. Well, it wasn't. The first sin was they didn't believe what God said about them. And we've talked about it before. They, they were already made in the image of God and, and the devil said, are you really? If you, if you eat of this tree, you're going to know really what God knows. So they made a choice not to believe. And they made a choice to eat of a different tree. What was their punishment? Everybody knows, everybody knows this. Everything, everything they did from now on had to be from the sweat of their brow. From them. They had to work for everything, work hard for everything. I'm not saying they weren't working before. I'm sure there was, they were, they were taking care of the garden in different, different ways, doing different things. They, you know, Adam named the animals and, and that, that kind of stuff. But from now on, everything was going to come hard. 
they were going to have weeds in those flower beds and they were going to have pain in childbirth. Can you imagine what it would be like if you didn't have pain in childbirth, ladies? So when it says they ate from the tree of good and evil, the knowledge of good and evil, that, that word for evil, when, you, when it talks about it in the New Testament, it comes from, from a root word of ponos or poneros. And the, the word evil does. And ponos was the Greek god or spirit demon of hard labor or toil and hardships. And his mother was Eris, the goddess of discord. So they ate from the tree of good and hard labor, hardships, and discord. And that's what their life became full of. When the children of Israel came out of Egypt, they chose not to hear from God. And you'll hear me say chose many times here because it's a choice. They chose not to hear from God themselves and instead said, Moses can go talk to God and He can come tell us what He says. We don't, we don't want any part of that. So what happens there? They made that choice so they had a system of judgment with works and toil that was created for them. The sacrificial system. Now, instead of being able to come to God directly, they had to have all these animals killed and, and bring before God. I mean, all these rituals that had to happen. Another, another system of works that had to happen in order to, to do something about that sin of not knowing who they were. Of course, this was... This was exploited always as it is by man, and man made it worse and worse and worse and worse. They had, I don't know, hundreds of, of laws that it wasn't supposed to be that way. And when they got to the edge of the promised land, I'm not telling you guys anything you don't know, but I'm, I'm building up to a point. When they got to the edge of the promised land, they said, we are grasshoppers in their sight. So again, they chose not to realize who they were and they chose not to enter the promised land. It's a choice. And that generation had to go back into the hardship of the desert for 40 years and go around the same things over and over again. Do you ever feel like you're going around the same things over and over again? Yeah. Well, we have to make a choice to get out of that. We all do it. Sometimes I say, God, please show me what I'm missing. <laughs> I've got to get out of this. So when they finally, finally when that generation was gone, they, they entered the promised land. They had great victories. They, I mean, they enjoyed cities they didn't build, walls they didn't dig, vineyards they didn't grow. They, uh, you know, they were exploiting the promised land and taking it all for themselves. And, but there were still giants in the land. They had to fight, 
and trouble they had to overcome. But they flourished initially. As long as they listened to the prophet or the priest and followed all the rules, they were okay. And they enjoyed, we think, or we thought, or I thought, they enjoyed all the promises of God in the, in the promised land because that's what, that's what I've been shooting for all this time. Like, the promised land is where I want to be, you know? But remember, Hebrews said there was something they didn't get. They were still under that law of toil. As long as they followed that law, it was okay. I mean, they had they had the they had the promise of God that if they if they followed these laws, they had life. If they didn't follow these laws, death was going to be at their door. And that's that's where we're all we all are when we're when we have to judge between good and evil every day. We have this life that looks like this. And same thing with them. They were in captivity, out of captivity, in captivity, out of captivity. In, they were just up and down, up and down, up and down. In uh, 2 Samuel 7, this is where, where David just brought the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. You know, David grew up without, without the ark being in Israel at all. His whole life, the ark was never there. But he knew that he had to bring the presence back to Israel. Bring the ark back. So this is, this is where he just got it back to Israel, back to Jerusalem. And um, this is uh, Samuel talking to David, or about to talk to David. Now then, tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pasture and tending the flock and appointed you ruler over my people Israel. I've been with you wherever you've gone and I've cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name great like the names of the greatest men on earth. And I will provide a place for my people Israel and will plant them so they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore as they did at the beginning and have done ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people, Israel. And the last thing it says, I will give you rest from all your enemies. It sounds sort of like what, what God told the Israelites, you know, I'm, I'm going to give you all this stuff and then you're going to get in the promised land and you know, you're going to find rest there. So he's, he's, he's telling David, this is, this is the promises I have, have for you. I'm going, to, you know, I'm going to make your name great. You're, uh, in one place he says, all your, your sons will be kings and you're, you have a dynasty of kings and, and that kind of thing. And I'm going to give you rest from your enemies. That's another thing David had never known as an, as an adult, rest. They've been fighting wars over and over again. That was a daily thing for them, rulers and fighting. So he gets this promise from God, and he says, I'm going to give you rest. 
what did David do? He chose to go back to war. And if you read several chapters after that, how many more people he killed and his armies killed after he received this promise from God of rest. He went back to doing the same old thing that he always did. Isn't it like doing the same thing you've always done, expecting something different? But in this, he had a promise of rest, and he went back to doing. And you know, I have to believe, just like we do, we're just going back to what we know, what we've been taught. What's what comes easy for us to do? What what's natural? instead of listening to what God really wants us to do. Even though in the end, the Bible says the, that the tabernacle of David is recreated in us. I mean, there's a lot of things David did great, and that's what we remember him for. He was a, a man after God's own heart. He, he brought the, the presence of God back to, back to Jerusalem. And, you know, he had a system... It, of presence in Jerusalem. They were still working, still in the old tabernacle somewhere else without the presence of God. Kind of sounds like church these days a little bit. You got you got people that are meeting together every Sunday, but there but there ain't no presence there. So he, he's known for bringing the presence back to Israel. And it is, you know, in one place it said that the tabernacle of David will be recreated, and that and that's us in the New Testament. But David, but that's the end of the story. But in the middle of the story, David's families they had such calamity and discord that one of David's sons raped a daughter, and the other son killed that son, and then that son also tried to take the kingdom away from David. It's, so he he lived a life of of unrest and discord when he had the promise of rest. And I have to believe it because he made the choice of going back and doing the same thing that he always did. And then he couldn't build the temple because he had too much blood on his hands. Maybe if he'd have, if he'd have listened to the promises of God and chose rest, maybe he would have got to build that temple instead of Solomon. I don't know. Because of all their choices, as we said a while ago, Israel continue to have a, a history of ups and downs and in captivity and out of captivity. And they were 
they were even in a mess when Jesus came on the scene. They were, you know, they were being ruled by the Roman government and being oppressed, and um, you know. But the but the good thing for them was their their leadership was, you know, was in cahoots with the Romans. So you know, they they had some some things they were working for. But that that's all in, in religion as well, working with working with the government to oppress, right? Um, but what? Now I want to I want to shift and talk about what did Jesus actually do? What was what was he trying to accomplish when he came? He came to show us the Father, and that He's good no matter what the circumstance looks like. He came to show us who we are and who we are to become. He came to show us the kingdom and how to live in. He was the example of living in the kingdom and living in rest. And then He left so He could be in us so we could live it. Because we were, we were born in this world, we were automatically born eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, I believe. I don't think we had much of a choice when we came into this world. Um, most of us grew up in similar households where that's, that's all you knew. missing thing and we get drawn into the into the church system, the religious system. Maybe maybe we grew up in a church system and a religious system that's becoming has become more and more like that Jewish system that Jesus came in whenever he was there. And we think that sin sin is our behavior. It's missing the mark because of something that we did. But it's really not knowing who we are. And Jesus said, seek the kingdom. And all those things are going to be added. It's a continual seeking. Let's continue to seek that rest so we can have it. When, when did David get the promise of rest? And I'm coming down to the, to the end of this. He got the promise of rest when he brought the presence back. Right after the ark came back to Jerusalem. Jerusalem is a combination of two words. The first is the Jeru part of it, and it means flow. And then the Salem part of it means complete and whole. So you get a sense of Jerusalem as pointing to complete and wholeness. Kind of sounds like we talked about Sozo Friday Friday morning. It means hope, means wholeness, completeness, fullness. Remember us talking about Sozo. 
That's what, that's what Jerusalem needs. So he brought, brought the presence back that points to completeness and wholeness, peace. Salem is also um, comes from the word shalom, and we, you know, we say that's peace, but it's really peace and wholeness and completeness. Side note on this: Melchizedek was the king of Salem. He was a priest to God and the king of peace, is what the Bible said. Complete wholeness. David was a priest to God. Remember when he brought the the ark back, he sacrificed a bunch of things. He was a priest, and he was the king of Jerusalem, pointing to peace. And if you look in Revelation 20, the church is the new Jerusalem. We are the kings and priests, completeness and wholeness in the order we're supposed to be, in the order of Melchizedek, bring peace, completeness, and wholeness. David got the promise of rest when the presence of God was brought back to Jerusalem. The presence of God points to peace, wholeness, and completeness. If you look back in, in Hebrews 4, I made a point of it earlier. For we have the living Word of God, which is full of energy, like a two-mouthed sword. It will even penetrate to the very core of our being, where soul, spirit, bone, and marrow meet. It interprets and reveals the true thoughts and secret motives of our heart. There's not one person who can hide their thoughts from God for nothing that we do remains a secret and nothing created is concealed. But everything is exposed and defenseless before His eyes to whom we must render an account. The living Word of God is His Spirit and His presence. It penetrates and points the truth in you. If you'll let it this morning, if you'll let Him this morning, He'll point that truth inside of you point out where those unrest places are and give you and point you to that rest. I'm going to get them to come back and, and start playing playing some music, probably that last song that we did. Um, Go back. You know, in the very beginning, there was there was a lot of passion and spirit and things that I, you know that I, that I felt. And I felt like now I feel like we've gone gone too academic on, on words that are coming out. But I wanted to point out some truth about rest. Let's let's move back back into spirit for a minute, guys. Let's go back and think about what we were talking about before. That as soon as you leave this building, you're going to go back into the stress and anxiety and the same things that you left whenever you came in. But I think we have a choice this morning to start going in a different direction. I'm not going to say when you leave here that... that you, that you can walk right out of here and be in 100% rest with everything that's going on with you. I'm not going to make you that promise. But what I can make you the promise is if you decide this morning that you're going to seek rest, you will find rest. 
And that don't mean seek it one time when you walk out. That means a continual thing that you do. Every time something pops up, you say, no weapon formed against me will prosper. Everything works together for my good. That's the living word. I know that's written. But when you speak it, it becomes living. You have the power to speak that out. Everybody will. Let's close our eyes, everybody that can. You know, you know what you struggle with more than anything else. You know what gives you more unrest than anything else in this world. tell you not to think about it. I want you to think about it. Because when you think about it, the Spirit, just like it says, it's going to penetrate to the very Spirit and the bone and marrow. Penetrate your soul. These words that I said this morning are no good if you can't find some relief and you can't find rest. As you as you think about what your what your main and you, and you can do this at home, do it at home. I, I hope you will because I know there's you know there's a, a lot of things that go on here that sometimes it takes our concentration away. If you can think about what what gives you the most unrest and discord, let the Spirit just go in and penetrate and cut that thing. You don't have to worry about trying harder anymore. You don't have to worry about did I read my Bible enough today? Did I did I sit down and pray enough today? Did I, you know, I did something wrong today. I, that's not that's not what this is about. It's not about trying harder. It's about the Spirit. You're not going to find rest going back to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and judging everything that comes your way good and bad that creates more unrest and more discord you have to rise above that stuff something that looks bad in your life you have to rise above it and give it life take from the tree of life say, alright, this is happening. I'm not going to say it's good or bad. All I'm going to say is God works it out for my good. So take that thing 
that's bothering you the most, and you tell it. Whichever, whichever one of these things fits in. Everything works for my good. Speak to that. Speak to that unrest. You are blessed going in and coming out. Everything my hands touch is blessed. I'm like a tree planted by the water. I produce fruit no matter what the season or if everybody else is in a drought. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You are with me. And I will come out on the other side better than I went in. Speak to it. That's life you're speaking into that death situation. This is the rest where the weary can come to rest. to pray with you about it. That's what we're here for. And we can speak life into those situations too. So I'm going to let them sing through the song and I'm going to turn it back over to either Brandon or Brian. And if you have anything that we need to pray about, you can come forward and we can pray. We go through this song and you continue to speak life into your into the fear, into the doubt, and everything that, that you have in your mind right now.
true statement for all of us in this room. Because I can look across the room and see over the last four or five years of struggles, pains, things that we have gone through together. And every one of those believing word over circumstance. Word over circumstance. One of the words that God gave me for Tyler months ago was regeneration acceleration. Look at him now. <laughs> Did a toe touch. Tater was in the hospital. Family giving up on him. It's the worst news ever. Alex said, don't you give up, boy. Just kept speaking that word or come in alignment with the word. Madison gave Miranda a word and we're holding that blessing back there. Amen. That little chunky monkey. <laughs> I mean, word after word after word after word. You know that, that passage in Hebrews um, chapter 4 that Bill gave us today. The passage version said there's life energy in that called it a two-mouthed sword. Older translation may say double-edged sword. A two-mouthed sword, as Dr. Simmons translated, as this, two-mouthed. God's already spoken. But when you speak it out and come into agreement, it's a double-mouthed sword containing all the energy it needs to cut through soul and spirit that soulless realm wants to lead us sometimes in the wrong direction when spirit is saying, no, this is what God's saying. And so it has to come in and penetrate to that soulless realm that says, God's given up on me. This is the worst ever. How am I going to... And what love what they were just singing. I love that. That's one of my favorite lines in that song. If it's not good, then it's not done. If it's not good, it's not done. What I have to do, I have to come back into that word, declaring word. Bill spoke some word over you. Find some. Come into alignment with those things. Speak them over you and your family. Those are the things that I like to do over my family. And I say we are blessed and not cursed. We are above and not beneath. The linen of me nation never had to borrow. Everything we have is blessed, and everything we touch is blessed, is prosperous for Jesus' name. Those are things that I like to speak out over my family. Those are words. That's truth. Right? Hebrews 4, that, that word, that Greek word there is logos, meaning the written word. You already have it. So come into alignment with it. Speak it out. Become the double mouth sword where it's cutting and penetrating that what you feel because of what you saw in this realm. Let that cut away to where you come into alignment in the spiritual realm with what He's already proclaimed as it is finished. By His stripes, I'm already here. Those are the things we come into alignment that is already done. It already finished. Your bride already walked out. I've been introduced that baby boy. 
That's right. If you didn't get to see, we had this brand new baby back there today. Beautiful, healthy baby boy. So it was good to see them back there this morning. Um, you'll get to see them some more. They'll be back. So uh, I'm just going to pray blessings over you. Father, we just thank you so much for all you do for us. You're good. You're kind. You're generous. Everything we have is for you, through you, by you. We exist because of you. And so, Father, we thank you, Father, for your word today that was proclaimed over us, that we are good soul, that it can penetrate into our hearts, and that it can grow from this point on, that we do not look at our circumstances as failures, but we do not look at our circumstances as death, as it has the last word, our sickness has the last word, our unrest has the last word. But no, we come into alignment with your word today to say rest is ours. We come into Sabbath rest. We come into your rest. We come into you who is rest. We come into you who is peace. We come into you who is love. And we line ourselves up with you and your word that proclaims to us who you really are and who we really are together as one. And we are one with you, mind, body, soul, and spirit, that we may manifest the Father here on this earth. We love you and we proclaim you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may